0: Friends, we are so thankful that you are here with us this morning at Indian Baptist Church, and you know we need to take a moment and just kind of think through the reality of the things that we we just sung about. We just celebrated is that if we really believe that this is true, and we really believe that two thousand years ago is that God sent the King of Kings to this world in bodily form, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that if Jesus really did come, and He ultimately would go to the cross on behalf of all of our sins, that He was buried, and three days later that He rose again on the third day, and because of that, the Bible says right now, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that at one moment, it, it, in the, in the, at a moment coming in the days ahead, that the sound of the trumpet will sound, the Bible says that he will part the eastern skies and that Jesus will come and he will set up his throne on this kingdom, then it should move us to a lot of different emotions today. It should move us to thanksgiving. It should move us to praise. But for all of us here today, if we really believe that Jesus is king, then for all of us it should move us to worship him. It should move us to subjection. It should move us to make him the king of our hearts, and of our lives. Today I'm going to talk to us about what it means to give our lives to Jesus this Christmas. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I want us to turn there. And we're going to look at one of the most famous stories around the birth of Jesus. And we're going to talk about the moment where the Lord came and spoke to Mary about her assignment in bringing into this world the King of Kings. So Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26. If you will stand with me today in reverence to the reading of God's Word. It says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. "...to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you." But she was perplexed at this statement. and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great." And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I recognize right now that you are king. That the story we just read is not a narrative in a children's book, but it is the holy word of God. It is an accurate record of, God, your plan. Lord, of you coming to this world. And, Father, you coming ultimately to forgive man of our sin. But you coming to set up your throne to defeat the kingdom of darkness. So today, Jesus, I, I pray or believing that you are seated at the right hand of the Father right now. God, would you put your words in my mouth. God, would you speak to your people this morning at Enon Baptist Church in Morris, Alabama. God, would you move our hearts towards you today. For your name and glory, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, the Christmas story is surrounded by incredible events. Supernatural events. Stars being revealed in the heavens. Angels appearing and speaking to people. God giving people dreams and visions, and this is one of the reasons why just the Christmas season and all is a season of wonder. It always has been because God was doing a supernatural thing in sending His Son. He was fulfilling a prophecy that had begun at the the very earliest days of creation when man had fallen And had been separated from God due to sin. But God spoke about the day, one day, where He would send about the seed of a woman who would come about and defeat death, hell, and the grave. And so, in this moment, there's so much incredible events taking place. So many prophecies being fulfilled. But probably one of the greatest supernatural events in this story has to be the miraculous conception in the young virgin womb of Mary. According to Jewish tradition, Mary is likely a teenager at this moment. In Luke chapter 1, when the angel comes to visit her. I want us to try to put ourselves in a moment here in the mind of Mary. What could have been going through her mind in this moment? The first thing I think about is... Likely that she was terrified. And the, the Bible goes as far as to say this: that, that the angel even says to her, Do not be afraid. You don't tell somebody to be afraid if they're not freaked out here, okay? Think about this. An angel just shows up while you're going about your day. That would confuse that that, that would terrify you here for a moment. So she's likely terrified. She's likely confused. He talks about. Her giving birth to a son and she is a virgin girl and, and she is betrothed to a man. And so she even asked that question, how can this be? She's also likely excited at some point. As a child of the children of Israel, she had heard about the coming Messiah and how one day he would come to sit upon the throne of David and he would rescue his people. And so now she knows the Messiah is coming. This is what their people have longed for. Think about how exciting this moment would have been. But also you have to think about the reality of moments of worry that would have passed through her mind. Worry about what was her life going to look like after this moment. What were her parents going to think? What was her soon-to-be husband going to think if suddenly she came about pregnant? This was a life-altering moment for Mary in every way imaginable. But we also see her faith in this moment. No matter the fear or what's going through her mind, her response to the angel in verse 38 was, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. That means I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. You know, if there's ever been a picture of someone giving their lives fully to the will of God, Mary is without doubt one of them. Friends, very briefly this morning, I want to talk to you about giving your life to Jesus, giving your life to God this Christmas. You know, the Bible makes it clear that all of us are born separated from God. None of us are born walking with God in this life because we are sinners. But the Bible says, because Jesus came to this earth and that ultimately He would pay the penalty for all of our sin on the cross, is that through Him is the only way we can be reconciled to God. But through Him, we can be. This is where God was sending a Savior to the world. But all of us, in order to receive that Savior, we must surrender our lives to Jesus. There must be that moment in time where we put our full faith in Jesus and we say, God, I want you to have my life. You run my life. My prayer for this Christmas is that for those who maybe have never done that, that today you would decide to give your lives to Jesus this Christmas. And for those of you who you have done that, But the truth is is that in somewhere along the way you have tried to pick the reins back up of your life. He is not necessarily the center of your life that you would re-surrender your lives to Jesus this Christmas. And I think there's a few truths in this story of Mary that can help lead us to do that today. So very briefly, our first truth today is that Mary surrendering her life to God's will reminds us that God has a plan for our lives. As you see here, God had a great plan for the life of Mary, even though it appears as though she was completely oblivious to it without God stepping into this moment and revealing it to her. And the Bible makes it clear that most people that God used throughout the Scriptures, they were oblivious to God's great plan for their life until God revealed himself to them. I think about Moses. The Bible says that Moses was an orphaned, adopted murderer prior to God stepping into his life and showing him that he had a plan for his life to use him to rescue his people from bondage. Think about the two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. Fishermen, humble fishermen by the Sea of Galilee, just providing for their families, going about their lives. When suddenly Jesus shows up and reveals to them that he has a greater plan for them. That he doesn't just want to make them fishermen, but he wants to make them fishers. Of men. Friends, this Christmas season, I I believe that this story reminds us that in a similar way to Mary, while probably not as extreme in this moment, but still very special and unique, God has a plan for our lives. It reminds us that none of us are accidents, none of us are unimportant. I believe that this Christmas, God wants to remind all of us that we were created in His image with a divine. Purpose And the, the whole reason of sending us a Savior was so that He could forgive us of our sin and ultimately put us on the path to live life, not just going through life, but to live life with God for His purpose. I want you to think about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, the Apostle Paul spoke about how Jesus died so that all of us might find our true purpose in life. This is what he says. And he died for all, speaking of Jesus. And by the way, that's true. The gospel message that Jesus died for all is that he came as a Savior for all. This is what the angels announced there to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. For unto you this in the city of David has been born a Savior who is Christ, the Lord, a Savior for all. It says, so that they might no longer live for themselves. All of us are born living lives for our own purpose. We're trying to figure it out along the way. But once you come into a relationship with Jesus, he wants to change our purpose from living lives for ourselves. But then begin to live our lives, listen to this, for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Friends, the greatest hope of Christmas is that God sent us a Savior to bring us back into a relationship with Him. And I want to ask you this question this morning in light of this Christmas season. Are you living your life in the purpose of God? Are you walking with God in your daily life or are you just living? Are you just going about through life? The Christmas story reminds us That God has a divine purpose for our lives. The second truth we need to see this morning is that Mary surrendering her life to God reminds us that sometimes following God's plan for our lives can be scary. It's scary to surrender your lives to God. It's scary to walk by faith to some aspect. We talked about this just a moment ago. The angel steps in here and says, Mary, do not be afraid because it's very likely. Mary is freaked out in this moment, okay? It is scary to follow the Lord, and that's true for us even today. But in a similar way that the angel spoke to Mary, do not be afraid. I want this morning to give you a, to address a few of the most common reasons why people are afraid to give their lives to God, but also why you can not be afraid. First, some people are afraid to give their lives fully to God because they might be disappointed, even though God promises that he is trustworthy. You know, I've heard it said to people on a regular basis when I've shared with them the life that God has for them in Jesus, they'll make statements like, well, that's just too good to be true. Or they'll even say, well, what if it's not real? You know, in our sin-cursed world that constantly offers false hopes and unfulfilled promises, it shouldn't surprise us that many people are hesitant To believe the truths of Jesus. Because those truths are astronomically great. The truths of Jesus is that you are loved. The truth of Jesus is that you can be forgiven. The truth of Jesus is that God will be with you for every day in this life if you will follow him. And he promises you eternal life in heaven beyond. And not only does he make these promises, he says, I can be trusted in these promises. In Romans chapter 10, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this Whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. He he says, You can trust him. In fact, in most of the times in scripture, when Jesus gives an invitation to people to come and follow him, he addresses their fears by giving them a promise, a guarantee. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. By him saying, you will never hunger, you'll never thirst. Or by him saying, if you come to me, I will give you rest. It is his way of saying, I guarantee it to you that if you come to me, you will not regret it. Friends, I want you to know today. That I have seen genuine Christians go through some great difficulties in life. I've seen their hearts overcome with grief and sadness. I've seen them not fully understand God's will in situations. History records Christians giving their lives to gruesome deaths for not having, because they would not deny their faith in Jesus. However, even amidst all of that, I have never seen one person who has truly been born again who says that Jesus was not worth it, or says that Jesus disappointed them. Secondly, some people are afraid to give their lives fully to Jesus because it means giving up control of your life. In this moment, by Mary willingly submitting that she would give birth to the Savior of the world, she was without doubt surrendering control of her life to God's plans. Today, for those of you who want to follow Jesus, we almost all of us have to recognize that we have to give full control of our lives to Jesus. To follow him, you have to be willing to make him the Lord or the boss of your life. Jesus would say in Luke 9, 23, that if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Some people, when they hear this cost, but they reject following Jesus. Because they don't want Jesus to be the boss of their life. They, they, they want to do what they want to do. They want to say what they want to say. They want to live the way they want to live. And they're not willing to give up those freedoms. And I can respect that to a point because the truth is, is that to come follow Jesus, you have to be willing to surrender those things. You say, God, I don't want to, I, I, I'm not going to make the decisions on how I live and what I say and what I do. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. But before you make that decision... I want you to consider this. If you reject following Jesus for your own freedom, what are you turning down? According to Scripture, if you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God's forgiveness. According to Scripture, if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting God's love. According to Scripture, if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting ever being able to find the purpose for which you were created. You will never know the presence and nearness of God in your life in a real and tangible way. You will never be able to enter into eternal life, beyond this life, because the Bible says that through Jesus is the only way to heaven. In fact, Jesus would go on to say in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Jesus is basically saying, without knowing him, without following him, you will miss out on what life was intended to be. Mark chapter 10 tells the story of a rich man who came to Jesus, asked Jesus how he could inherit eternal life. Jesus, knowing that he was a rich man, and that wealth was the greatest, most valuable thing in his life? He says, sure, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me. Then you will have treasure in heaven. The Bible says that that man went away sadly because he owned much property. Why did he leave sadly? Because he knew that he was unsatisfied in his wealth. And that's why he went to Jesus. But he was also not willing to give up his wealth. And so he is no better For the conversation. He leaves sadly. He leaves because he knew rejecting Jesus was bringing him back to a life of emptiness where he was at the beginning. Friends, I want you to know something today. That's not not what God wants for any of us. God doesn't want us to leave sadly. God wants us to be willing to say, oh God, here's my life. Here's all that I am. And leave with the full satisfaction what Jesus says. If If you'll give up your life there, you will find it. And finally, some people are afraid to give their lives fully to God because they're afraid of failing at following Jesus. That's what it comes down for a lot of people. It's not that they don't want to, know, they don't want to follow Jesus, but they're just afraid that they're going to be unfaithful to Jesus, so they never fully surrender. One of the greatest lies that the devil has ever used in this life is that to follow Jesus, you have to be perfect people. And the reality was, is that that's the whole reason Jesus came. That Jesus came because we were sinful, imperfect people. In Luke chapter 5 verse 31, Jesus said, It's not those who are well, who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Friends, if you truly begin to follow Jesus, that will mean that he will begin to lead you to make some major changes in your life. And those changes will be difficult and you will often fail. But know this, if you're truly following Jesus, your status with him will never change no matter how much you succeed or fail because in Jesus, you never have to earn your way to God. This is the gospel is that an imperfect people could not get to a perfect God. So God sent his perfect son to this world on our behalf. Today, this morning, the gospel says, come to me, all you who are sick. Come to me, all you who fail." And let me be your Savior. So this morning, you need to know that God has a plan for your life. And that even though it can be scary to follow Him, He can be trusted. Finally, this morning, the story of Mary surrendering her life to God's will reminds us that following God's plan for our life is always better. I want to invite our instrumentalists to begin to make their way back up and I want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine if Mary had not submitted to the angel in this moment, not submitted to the Lord's will. I I believe in God's sovereign plan. That wasn't possible. But let's let's just take that for a moment. Let's say she had passed on this opportunity. And let's say that she lived the basic life that everyone in that day longed for. Let's say she went on and married Joseph. She had several kids. Let's say that Joseph's work as a carpenter went well, and they were able to provide for their children. They did all that was well. She had children and grandchildren, so she lived to be an elderly woman, and then ultimately, she would leave this world in death. That seems like, for most of us, the greatest idea of life. You know, we want to live life as best we can with as least pain, as least complications as possible. But even then, we know something was missing. Even living the best life possible, if you write it down on a piece of paper, something about that is missing. And what is that? It's God in our lives. It's God's plan in our life. God has something better for us. Some of you, this Christmas, this is the best time of the year. You spend time with your family, your kids, and your grandkids, and it's a wonderful thing. But again, if you step to the end of your life and you have all the best memories of family and friends, you, 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 make a, you, you have a good marriage, you, you make a good living, all of those things, at the end of your life, if all you have are kids and grandkids and money and, and a marriage, and as good as all of those things are, but you write it out, will that be enough at the end of your life? And the reality is No. And the Bible says that we know that because God has put eternity in our hearts. We know that's not enough. And in this moment, Mary gave up on the plan. She cashed in control of her life. She cashed in the basic dream of the Nazareth dream, or we would call the American dream, for God's plan. Now, listen, was it easy? Absolutely not. But at the end of her life, two things she knew for certain. The first thing is that she had served something greater than herself. She had connected and tapped into God's will and purpose for her life. I want you to know this morning, the Christmas message reminds us that God's got a plan for you. And it's better than your plan. It's better than your greatest dreams. But Secondly, think about this. Not only did Mary get to serve God, she gave birth to the Savior that she needed. Let me say something to you. We get to the end of our lives. We don't have Jesus. Yes, we're going to be missing something. But also, we will know that we are in danger of standing before God who is holy and righteous and we're sinners. She found a Savior. This Christmas, I want you to know something. God's got a better plan for your life than you could possibly imagine. And secondly, you desperately need a Savior. But this Christmas reminds us that that Savior has come. Jesus has come. Man, it struck my heart this morning reading this story. This really happened, friends. Jesus was really born in Bethlehem. The angels really appeared to the shepherds. The kings really came and offered their gifts before a Savior. God really sent His Son to this world to rescue us, to bring us into a relationship with Him. We have a Savior today. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Him? If you don't know Him this morning, friends, He's available to all of you. Right there where you are. It doesn't matter how much you failed. He's trustworthy today. Maybe today you'll give your life to Jesus and say, Pastor Zach, I need a Savior. He's available, he hears you. Call out to him right there where you are Jesus, be my Savior. Maybe today you know him as your Savior. Somewhere along the way you have lost the wonder that you are serving a God who has a great plan for you. And it's bigger than the dream, the American dream. Maybe today you need to come back to the Savior. Say, Jesus, tune my heart to sing your praise. Today you can do that. If Christmas season says anything to us, is that God is near to us. He hears you where you call. Today I'm going to invite you to stand. Our instrumentalists are going to continue to play. We're going to sing a song of worship unto the Lord. Our prayer leaders are going to be up front. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus here today, you can. Come forward and grab one of these prayer leaders and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. If you need to join this church family, you feel free to come. If you need to re-surrender, say, God, forgive me. I'm just getting lost in the season and missing out on you. Come unto the Lord this morning as we sing.